Hey, I'm your host, Lamar L.A. Smith, and welcome to another edition of the Jack of All Trades podcast. Today, I'm with Megan Gallagher, a 25-year-old, three times TED speaker and mental health advocate. Now, when I did my pre-call with Megan, I learned a lot of stuff. Obviously, when I... <laughs> this is... <laughs> All right, when I wrote this joke, this has just happened to work, you know, perfectly. But she wears a lot of hats, as you can see. So that's why I'm laughing. And of all the hats that she wears, the one that I was very surprised about is the fact that is she's a singer. She's about to come out with an album soon as well. So I don't I, I would have never guessed it. I don't know if Nashville just got to her. If you know, this is like, yeah, I don't know. It's just... Fun fact, fun fact, fun fact. But that's yeah. beside the point. Today we're going to talk about mental health and we're going to talk about Megan's journey as a speaker and author. So currently you're working on book four, right? It's be published soon, correct? Published in May? Yes. Um, okay, so no joke, right before I hopped on this interview, I actually got um, a notification that it's actually live now. Um, so my book as of today, April 29th, my book is available on Amazon on Ingram Sparks, my website. So I will be promoting that for the next month. Um, but yes, so I was last, so I was I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so basically, I've written three books. This one is my fourth. It's called How to Thrive in the Virtual Classroom. And you know, at the beginning of COVID nineteen, almost a year ago, which is so crazy. Uh, I the moment COVID hit, I was funny enough. I was actually in Austin, Texas. I was booked to speak at South by Southwest and it was going to be in person, this huge event. And then, you know, COVID hit and all of a sudden it just, I literally was there in Austin, Texas. And I think two days before the event, everything got shut down. Like they South by Southwest tweeted out. They were like, okay, we're done. We can't throw this event. Um, you know, it's not going to happen. And then I really, you know, was like, wow, this is a real, this is a real thing. You know, it's not just like a, you know, kind of fake news story. Like this is a real mm -hmm. uh, pandemic. And so right when COVID-19 happened, I felt really inspired to create this workbook because I know that there are so many teenagers and young adults. So middle school, high school, college students that just have been suffering the most. And I think there just should have been a guide created for how to manage your mental well-being. Um, and I really, really think that, you know, from my own experience, when I was a teenager, obviously, I've spoken um, about that with you, Lamar, I think, you know, when you are that young, and you are in, you know, middle school, high school, college, but also throw in a pandemic, it's really stressful. And you know, I think just with my work and what I do, I really, you know, I worked super hard to create this workbook. And so truly a year later, we are here. It is published. It is live. And I'm just so excited to have it out there. It's been such a labor of love. And um, I'm just excited, you know, for just to see the ripple effect of how it affects other people. So that's what's up. Well, we're going to talk a lot about the book and you as a speaker and an author. 
But before we dive even more into that, I first want to ask you, how was your childhood growing up? Yes. So my childhood growing up, I feel very lucky. I had a wonderful childhood. Uh, you know, my parents were still are phenomenal people. They've been married 30 years. Like they're wonderful people. They're amazing. Um, and I have an older sister. I'm 25. She's 29. We're really, wow. really close as well. Yeah. So I would say I feel very lucky. I grew up in a very amazing household. My parents, you know, whatever I wanted to do, whether it was, um, I want to play the clarinet, you know, I want to get into karate. Like they would just be like, oh, okay, we're going to, whatever Megan wants to do, we're going to do it. And I was so indecisive as a kid. And I, you know, would constantly think, oh, I want to be in Girl Scouts. I want to do this. I just wanted to try everything. And I think that's a part of uh, my adventurous spirit today is I just want to try everything and I want to live a full life. And, you know, when I get to 95 years old, I want to, um, you know, just really look back and think, oh my gosh, I did it for myself. And I, yeah. you know, I, I just, I like, I went just whatever the term is hard in the paint. I went <laughs> for it, like whatever term like balls you to the wall, whatever you want to say yeah, yeah, balls to the wall, like whatever uh, terminology. And so, you know, it's like, I really, and even when I had really bad anxiety, I would say my anxiety was at its worst from ages 13 to 17 for four years. It was really, really wow. crippling. Uh, you know, even during that four year time span, I, you know, I still pushed myself really hard outside my comfort zone. And thankfully my parents you know, really supported that they constantly. And when I say push myself outside my comfort zone, you know, I mean, in like healthy ways, like I don't mean, you know, I'm going like skydiving and like cage diving with sharks and like really risky things. You know, I mean, like going to sleepovers, like I really had so many fears at that age, like going to sleepovers, going to field trips, doing all these things. Um, and it really, you know, yeah, I mean, even in those moments when my anxiety was really intense, I still managed to just do it, even though my mind was like, oh, you're not qualified enough, like, you're not pretty enough, you're not this, you don't have the money, like all these things. And I still have those moments today where like, you know, I'm following my dreams and I really have huge goals for myself. And sometimes I hear that negative voice and it's like, oh no, like you don't have what it takes. Like you can't, you're just, it will never work out. And I'm like, every time I hear that voice, I'm like, really? I question it. I, you know, I imagine it like a bully and I'm like, really? You don't think it's going to work out? Why? <laughs> Give me one good reason. Cause you know, to me, it's like, I have everything going for me and nothing against me. And that's what I like to, you know, talk to, like kind of just preach to my followers on social media and any teenagers that I work with. I like to tell them you have everything going for you and nothing against you. And not in a sense of, oh, you should guilt yourself, you know, and you should feel guilty for feeling anxious or not good enough or imposter syndrome. But, you know, it's like you should realize before you get into a negative spiral of just negative thoughts and habits, and you got to pull yourself out of that and realize, you know, that it's just a choice. I could go down that path of, you know, oh, why me and my parents and I don't feel this way. Or you could go down the path of empowering yourself and thinking, you know what? Everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. 
Beyonce. Like, you know, people say that quote and it can sound cheesy, but it's really true. It's like, you just have to get out of your own head and realize everyone, it's all about choices, like choosing a positive attitude, choosing just to be grateful for what is going right in your life and just making it happen with whatever you have. Like, I think, you know, a lot of people can just get down on themselves and think, oh no, but I just, I don't know. It's like, you want to stop those negative thoughts before they even, you know, come to life. Um, but yeah, I mean, short, like long story short, but yes, my fourth book, how to thrive in the virtual classroom. Um, it's like out right now and I'm so excited. And then this summer, uh, things are opening back up a lot more. So I'll be going on a book tour and I'm really excited to promote this book. Um, it, and I'm just so excited to see this book in person. It's been mm -hmm. so, so fun writing it. And I, I'm just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely feel, I don't know about you guys, but every time I talk to Megan, she's just like full of energy. Like if you ever think of like the Energizer Bunny commercials, I'm just like, she's just, just full of All the time, all the time. You know, I, sometimes I have my moments, of course, like any other person when I, you know, get in my own head and I'm like, eh. but I, the moment I feel that I'm like, no, <laughs> no, we're not going down that road. And I pull myself out of it and I'll do breath work. I'll, you know, call up my grandma. I'll call up a friend. I'll just do something really quick to get myself out of that because I am forever an optimist and sometimes people think I'm delusionally optimistic, but I think anything is possible. And I like to believe that, you know, everyone like sky's the limit. I mean, like yeah. the limit, like you can do anything that you believe you can. And I think there's like a formula for how I've achieved the things that I have. Um, and number one is just, I never gave up. I never took no for an answer, you know, 25 million doors were closed and I'm like, cool, <laughs> cool. I'm still going to go. I mean, I'm still going to try, you know, because it's like at the end of the day, you know, what if on door 895, like thousandth, yeah. you know, Oprah Winfrey opens that door and would you want her to see you all like, oh, I don't know if it's going to work out no heck no you want to carry that same good attitude because if oprah winfrey opens that door you best be like hey be on it yeah. right you know the past is the past who cares and that's how i treat every single post on instagram every single video because it does matter and you never know and i have learned this in true experience even if like, I mean, it shouldn't be this way, but even if you're like, oh, you know, I've, this is my fourth post of the week. Like, uh, I mean, you, like you have to realize that, you know, Oprah Winfrey is someone really important could just click on one post yeah. and maybe you had a bad mood that day, or maybe you're like, oh no, I just am going through a breakup. I'm not feeling it. It's like, really? Because I mean, Oprah Winfrey versus your breakup. It's like, what's more important? Like, <laughs> Yeah, this is like, it may sound wrong, but this is just my inner dialogue where I'm like, mm -hmm. hey, reality check. I think that matters a little bit more to me. And I think uh, I would care to focus on that more than like, oh my God, you know, it's just, it's kind of rainy outside. I'm not feeling it. It's like, really? 
Really? Are you sure you're not feeling it? Because this could be your lucky day. And um, I have had personal experience where no joke celebrities are like, you know, I love that one video when you just had a really good at like, I loved what you said. And I was like, really? Because that was like, you know, my 25th video I put on YouTube. And it was just I like looking back, you know, in that video, I'm yeah. like, wait, I remember exactly what I was feeling what was going on yeah. in my head. I'm like, <sighs> like, thank God that you know, so it's just you have to tell yourself that even like, it does matter. It does make a difference. It really does. No, I definitely feel that like you're you're only as good as your last rep if you think about it in a sense. So you you really just have to keep that same energy, like you said, whether you're on a podcast or speaking to eight people, whether you're speaking to a thousand people or anything in between, like you really just have to do your best to keep that same level of energy and you know, passion for what you do overall. You do. And you have to be your own cheerleader, you know, and it's, I think, um, you know, th like the number one characteristic trait of the most successful people, I really think it's just the ability to own it, whatever it is you have going on. I remember the days when I was 17 years old and my parents were like, okay, you know, you want to be a motivational speaker go make it happen. And I was like, okay. So I would walk around. I would spend hours every single day walking around to YMCA's boys and girls clubs, you know, PTA meetings at like, and everything just cause I wanted it so badly. And it was never handed to me. My parents were like, that's how I was raised. You know, some may call it tough love, but they were like, you know, Megan, if you really want it, I like, you have to make it happen yourself. And I was like, okay. So, you know, I would spend hours and days and hours and days just walking around to all these YMCA's and boys and girls clubs. But, you know, it's like, I say that story not to be like, oh, poor me, but it's like, I'm proud. You know, I, yeah. I like to say that story to inspire others to really not give up. And I remember times when I would speak at a YMCA and there was only eight teenagers, but, you know, the common denominator of what I think makes me successful is the fact that even at those YMCA's when it was only eight people versus now I've given Ted talks, I've, you know, spoken in front of thousands of thousands of people is I kept the same confidence and I pretended in my mind, like I was selling out, you know, Madison square garden or something like I never ever gave up. And I kept, I kept that same, just good energy because I was like, you know, um, anything is possible. And I want these people to see me as my very best self today. And I'm not going to worry about how many likes and comments and followers I get, because I think honestly, Lamar, in today's society, so many people have so much talent yet. I think that they see, you know, oh, I only got this many likes on this post. So I did something wrong. Yeah. And they're and I get full heartedly how important that is for the algorithm. But at the end of the day, you're only going to psych yourself out more if you constantly are thinking, oh, well, that person has more followers and I must be, you're literally going to drive yourself nuts. And that's a huge trigger for anxiety is constantly thinking, oh, I could be doing more and there's something I'm not and I, I'm missing out and you got to breathe and realize, just make your content, you know, awesome and your posts awesome. And yes, I get how it, you know, it does matter, but also, you know, you're like, I know people with 10 million followers on Instagram and that cycle never ends, by the way. It's like, I think people 
think, you know, oh, once I get to this level, I'm not going to care or, you know, the fear will go away, but it never goes away because yeah. Instagram is a business, you know, and people rely on it uh, to make content and to hone their brand. So I think it's important at an early age to realize, you know, give yourself a little grace, like realize, you know, there's only so much you can control and focusing like every single day on like, oh my God, the likes and the comments. I think that's just can make you feel really anxious and like not good enough and a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, it's a couple of things that come to mind when you say that. I mean, first, obviously, this is something that I've been learning myself, like my own self-reflection thing as a, a author as well and speaker is that if you build it, they will come. So if I don't that quote is I think is from Field of Dreams, but essentially, if you focus more so on building your audience, uh, interacting with people, fostering relationships, like naturally over time, the sales, the speaking opportunities, all of that will come. But I think that naturally me myself have been victim to it as well as most people in, in society mm. is that we're so caught up in instant gratification that as a result that we get too focused on the short term and not think about the long term because yeah. the long term has the long term benefits because you can sell you know your book to 10,000 people but at the end of the day the book is a even though it's residual long term like it's a one-of-one one sale like you have to think about it the sense that, okay, even if I sell the book, like what long-term impact am I having to that person? You know, what relationships am I building, et cetera. Like it's essentially just the lead magnet for everything else you want to do. Like the book is the lead magnet to all these other things that you want to dive into, which I feel like you have been diving into. Yeah. So I think that is a uh, pretty special. What was the other thing I had to say? <laughs> I just thought about? Oh, and what you said about people liking stuff yeah uh there's opinions on quality but there's no opinion on quantity so mm -hmm. if you put out the most stuff as possible or you put out you know as much quality stuff that you view as quality i should say then you're giving yourself more opportunities to hit that home run right so exactly think about from artists this is a perfect example usually because it's recency bias as well, but that's beside the point. Usually people who view XYZ as the best artist or one of the best artists are usually the people that are putting out content consistently, like The Little Babies, Mulatto, Drake. They're in every song that you look up. You're like, hold up, it was in this song, that song, blah, blah, blah. Yes, so right. the song that you may like the most from them may not be the song they're actually known for. It's just like people can you know, talk about quantity quality but quantity the numbers are the numbers exactly and you know that's just something i think to keep in mind is that uh you know the number of followers you have like yes it is important in today's society because i think it's you know it's true the more followers you have you know you get more opportunities brands reach out to you and um you can get paid and there's a lot of cool things that happen but it's also important to remind yourself you know Rome was not built in a day. And I think that's something like our generation, you know, people don't want to hear that people want instant gratification and, you know, the instant fame of like, oh, I have 10 million followers. Now my life is complete. You know, I'm happy. I'm this snap my fingers. But 
at the end of the day, you have to realize, you know, it's the quality of the content. It's not really, you know, about the followers. Cause I think that can just change so much. And so I think if you make fire content and you have an audience and people know who you are and they can, you know, look at your Instagram and in 30 seconds, they're like, oh, it's Megan Gallagher. Like she's mental health. Like they get it really quickly and they just know you. I think that's important. And, you know, another thing too, I will say, uh, you know, like I, I come from really humble beginnings and I think that really shaped me into who I am today. Uh, and I will say, you know, I always say this, like, you can't out hustle the hustler. <laughs> like, you know, I, think, I like this. Thing. Yeah. You know, I think in life, I've just learned throughout my career, no matter what agent or publicist or anyone that I have on my team, I realized that no one is going to really care about you and your business as much as yourself. And so you have to be the driving force behind that. Um, you know, and I've realized that in a lot of situations where, you know, I did a YouTube video series with a Sports Illustrated cover model, Kate Bach. Um, and people ask me all the time still, they're like, you know, how did you actually get that? Cause I ended up being featured in people magazine, which was really awesome. And I honestly tell people, cause I like to be, you know, real and genuine and share my tips, but I will tell people, I just DM'd her, you know, <laughs> like it, it doesn't have to be fancy and you don't have yeah. to overthink it. Be surprised. I, like, I like to tell people that because I want to inspire them to follow their dreams and to not feel oh no, I can't. It's no, you know, oh, she wouldn't. No, you literally don't know until you do it though. So, you know, you can't complain until you've really tried and put in all the effort. And so, you know, with Kate, I literally just DM'd her and she said, Hey Megan, like, I love this idea. Can you email my manager? And then that's how it started. And I sent her, you know, the copy and paste email that I sent to every person just like, Hey, my name is this. Uh, I've interviewed these people, blah, 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 kind of like my pitch. And it's just cool because, you know, I've interviewed so many people and that being featured in People Magazine really helped me add that again to my resume. And, you know, now it's just, it's opened up more doors and more doors and more things and more things, which is such a blessing. So I like to tell people that, you know, never give up and realize that, um, you know, it doesn't have to be so fancy and so like, oh, you know, what if I can't afford an agent or I can't afford a publicist? It's like, you can't think those negative thoughts. You just have to like make it happen and know that a lot of things are more, they're a lot easier than you think. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Now, I am curious, what made you choose to go to UCLA? Because I know you say you're from San Francisco. Yes. So still in Cali, but I'm just curious. Yeah. So, you know, that's a great question. I, I, I knew in high school, I knew that I wanted to stay in California. That was the plan for me. And I thought, you know, LA is a great place because it's kind of far away, but it's still close. It's still drivable. You know, I can still see my family. I had a lot of friends that were going to UCLA too. So I thought to myself, you know, like, why not? Like, this would be a good school. Like I have the grades. It's like perfect. It has Greek life. It has all the amenities that I want in a school. Um, and so I went, I graduated high school in June of 2014. Um, and then literally two months later, cause UCLA is on, um, a, uh, quarter system. So, oh, hmm. yeah. So basically, Didn't know that. yeah, it started in October. So basically I 
literally two months after I graduated high school, um, I went down to LA and it was cool. I, my freshman year, I lived in a dorm, uh, with one of my best friends from high school and it was really, really awesome how it worked out. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I just, I knew deep down that I always wanted to go to that school and I've been a fan of theirs for so Mm -hmm. long. Um, but also, you know, just the opportunities, it's such a great quality education. So yeah, this, the choice was pretty simple. Um, but I definitely knew that it was where I wanted to be. So So that was like, really like your number one choice in general. Like there was no like number twos that kind of caught, piqued your interest a little bit, or it was just like, I knew UCLA was the one. No, I knew UCLA was the one and I had such a good time there. Um, and it's cool. A lot of kids from my own high school actually went there too. And I think the Bay area where I grew up, um, it's such a feeder school for UCLA and, you know, USC, um, even though that's the The rival (laughs) rival school of UCLA school that should not be named. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. So, um, but yeah, you know, I think, I mean, I definitely did make the right choice. Um, but yeah, I loved UCLA. I loved my time there. It was so amazing. Okay. So obviously your speaker author journey, you know, started when you were 17 and you were a full-time college school student as well. So how did you balance being a full-time student with trying to develop this speaking and author career at the same time? That's a great question. So I will say, I feel very grateful that, you know, I started my career that early on because it really taught me, you know, in the midst of taking classes and social life and meeting, just learning to really balance everything. um, It taught me more than I could ever say, just I learned in my entire life in general. And I knew deep down that I wanted to make this happen. And so basically, you know, even if I had, like five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, or on the weekends, if I had more time, I would just squeeze in my passion. Um, And I remember vividly, you know, I prioritized sleep. That was a not, I basically my freshman year of college, college, I made a list. I was like, okay, how I'm going to make this happen. I don't know, (laughs) but I do know what my non-negotiables are. So things that I will not give up, things that you know, I just can't sacrifice. And my personality, I don't do well on, you know, a lack of sleep. That's, I just, I'm not one of those people. I wish I was sometimes. And of course there are many days where, you know, you got work interviews, certain things. So you have to wake up early or you have to like, you know, not get as, not get the eight hours that you want. Um, So, you know, I made a list non-negotiable. So for me, that was sleep, Um, that was, you know, having at least three days every single week where I could hang out with friends and have a social life. And that was also on Sundays. And I, you know, even though it's, it can seem like it's not that much time I gave, I just know that from, and this is another key point also, whatever passion you are following, just know that, you know, it is always worth it, but you come first, you know, because I think we live in a society where, burnout is like trending and people are like hustle 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 and that's amazing but also at the end of the day you have to realize that you know you have a body and you're a human being and you can only go so far on zero sleep and caffeine and you know just that to me is like you're 
it's just not healthy for the longevity. So I knew deep down that, you know, I come first, I have to fill up my cup. Um, and so I just made it happen. You know, I still got my sleep and I ate healthy and I still hung out with friends. And I really think having the healthy balance is what motivated me to go for more and to want to do more things. Um, because I've realized, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint because, you know, for my career in my industry, um, I am on the really, I'm on the young side. I'm only 25 and, you know, like, uh, my agency, Washington speakers bureau, I actually, when I signed on with them last year, I was the youngest speaker in the history of the bureau. They've never had (laughs) someone who's 25. So it was really an honor. We did a whole entire like virtual like cake and champagne, which was really fun. Uh, But, you know, basically, uh, I just will never forget the feeling of like, oh, my gosh, I'm really the youngest speaker. Like, and I realized I was like, man, I'm glad that I stayed healthy and that I didn't burn myself out because there's no way I would be able to run my own business, post my content, send emails, coach teenagers and, you know, do every appearance, radio, TV, um, if I were getting like four hours of sleep a night, there's just no way. And, you know, having to be on and having that sharp memory, there's just, yeah, I would not be able to do it. So I really like, I thank my younger self for never giving up and for just realizing at an early age how important balance is. And, you know, I, I don't mean work-life balance. Cause I think that's also a topic. So many people are like, it's not real or it doesn't exist, <laughs> but I think, you know, just having some sort of routine, no matter if you're traveling, if it's a holiday, if it's your birthday, um, having a sense of routine and consistency, I think is going to make you successful regardless of, like I said, how many followers you have or anything like that. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I just, like, I will say, honestly, Lamar, I think when I was a freshman in college and I knew I wanted to pursue this kind of on the side at first and just build Mm -hmm. it up, build it up to something where once I graduated school, you know, I could make a full income and do all these things on my own. Um, I think, you know, I really realized I was like, you know, I, I just made it a priority. Like I, I knew I wanted it bad enough and I still, you know, have goals to get to a Tony Robbins like level. And I, I still believe it's fully possible and I'll never, ever give up. And that's kind of like a vow I've made to myself since I was 17. I was like, you know, I'm going to seize the moment out of every single day. And if someone says no, then they're the wrong person. You know, I really yeah. believe that, that everyone has an incredible amount of potential that they can reach in their life. Um, and so for me, I, you know, just made that promise to myself. And I also really think that if you want something badly enough, uh, I think you will do about, you know, just about anything to make it happen. If you, if it really means a lot to you and you have really specific goals. So yeah, I think it's just uh, early on, I kind of made that choice. I just said from this moment on, I'm literally going to dedicate just the rest of my journey to me pursuing my goals and never, ever giving up until I, you know, literally just get exactly what I want. And that's, um, and you know, that's also letting go of, oh, you know, I'm almost, 
30 or I'm 25 or I'm this, because I think that can cause anxiety for a lot of people too, is just thinking like, just like the followers, it's like thinking, oh no, but I just turned 25. So that means it's like, (laughs) no, 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 no. It's like, well, what does it really mean? Just, Mm. it's just a number. Because if you, if you start to limit yourself, you know, every year you get a little bit older and you're like, oh, well, I don't know. It's like, then you're literally never going to pursue it. And I think a lot of people do that. They're, they get disheartened and insecure over the fact that, you know, they may not be 17 years old or they are married or they have kids or they're going through a divorce or something in their personal life, or they have just this, you know, story that they're hung up on. It's just not true. We have to get rid of these stories because they literally just block you from taking action and from like actually, you know, seizing the day. No, I definitely agree. I think the biggest thing that you said, and it's something that even though it's a quote that I say to people religiously, sometimes I have to remind myself of it because it's a normal human thing to do this. Comparison is the thief of joy. Like, it's not, that's the truth. That's the truth. Like you are your biggest competition or you should be, I should say, because if you're competing against yourself, then usually you're just focused on getting better instead of trying to be in a race with someone else. Obviously sports is a little bit different, but in most fields, all comparison will do is sap you of the joy of how you're already doing. Like, for example, I'm almost 25 and I'm an author as well, but I would be naive to compare myself to you when you have done X, Y, and Z just because you have more books than me at your age. Like that doesn't discredit like what I've done or what I've accomplished. We're in two totally different paths, two totally different genders. Like everything about us is different. Like I just got to enjoy my own race. And there's going to be authors that are older than me. There's authors that is younger than me. Like you really just got to dive deep into your own journey. I think that's the biggest part of it. Yeah. Well, you said it best, Lamar. I think you just have to own who you are. And I agree, you know, comparing yourself and your journey, it will always just kind of suck the joy and the fun out of your own journey. Um, And I think also, you know, in life, I, I just believe things happen for a reason, even if, you know, you don't want to hear it or it can be painful or challenging to hear. I just, you know, I like to tell myself that because I, I choose to believe in, you know, just things happen the way they're supposed to. And that, you know, that never says, oh, like, you know, you don't have to work as hard or, oh, just let it happen. You know, I'm all about having the balance between hard work, but also, you know, manifesting and dreaming big and thinking, you know, like really good things can happen. And, um, I think, I don't know. I think it's just really important to tell yourself that like whatever it is that makes you feel really good, just fill yourself up with that because, you know, on the journey of being a model author, dancer, like I am, I've come across a lot of rejection and I, you know, it's just a matter of life and things happen, but I've had to bounce back really quickly. And I think, you know, Tony Robbins says this quote, which I love, uh, you know, he says, it's okay to be a human being and it's okay to allow yourself to have those moments, but it's just, you know, what you do with that is what defines you. If you allow yourself to stay in that sad, you know, kind of wallowing, or if you just decide, you know, I'm, I want to feel better 
and I want to choose joy again. So then you get back up because that's, you know, that's on you and other people, their opinions, that's out of your control. Other people rejecting you, that's out of your control. But truly how you move on from that moment is the only thing that's in your control because you know, I think life is just a lot about energy. And if you have a positive energy and a positive mindset, you, like you can't go wrong in my eyes. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just, it's a mindset. I've had this mindset since I was 13 years old and I was a fresh eighth, eighth grade, actually in middle school, I just decided when my anxiety was really bad and I was in a low place, I decided that, you know, I was going to make the best out of my life and no one would ever have that power and take it away from me because, um, anxiety, you know, has really taught me that it's all about a mindset. It really is. Your mind can lie to you and just, you know, make you feel a thousand things that are just simply not true. And I think it's important to surround yourself with people who lift you up, but to also, you know, like check yourself. Like if you find yourself starting to just feel like really hopeless or in this past year has been crazy too, but if you find yourself starting to feel hopeless and just really down and you're like, oh no, it's not possible. Or like you're comparing yourself to other people, you have to just like pause and just flip it around or else, you know, you're going to spend your whole entire day thinking, oh, well, only if I were, you know, that person, then I could be happy. Or only if I, well, it's like, you know, what's more productive and what's going to make you feel better? Is it sitting around and, you know, comparing yourself to someone you may not even know in real life? Or is it actually going out and taking action and making it happen yourself? I think, you know, we have to realize you, you know, you get what you give. Like if you want something in life, you have to like go after it. And the people that you admire the most, and maybe you're comparing yourself to them consciously or subconsciously, mm. you know, you have to pause and think, well, why am I comparing myself to them? You know, like what is it about them or their life that is really intriguing to me? Because I bet if you, let's say you have five people that you compare yourself to sometimes, but they're also your, you know, role models and idols mm. and you want a career like theirs, you have to find the common denominator between all five people. And you have to stop and think, well, you know, what is it? What do these five people have in common that I really like? Is it their physical appearance, their house, you know, their marriage, their, like, what is it about them that is triggering or making me feel some type of way. And I think that's a huge step to answering a question of like, okay, well, it's because they make this amount of money. It's because they travel here. It's because their content, their life, their whatever, it looks amazing. Um, so I think it's just important to have those moments where you're like, oh, that's why I you know, feel this way when I look at their social media and kind of understanding the mental health aspect of it. All right. So I know you talked about it a little bit, but I am curious, what made you decide to choose to write your book as a workbook opposed to like a self-help book or anything like that when it comes to tips on how, you know, young students can navigate this virtual learning space? Yeah, that's a great question. So I knew, like I said, when COVID-19 started that schools were going to go virtual and so many teenagers that I had been working with one-on-one -on -one and also in a group setting, they were going to be affected. And my heart was like, oh my gosh, 
I have to do something about this because I really also think that in life, you know, when you know better, you should do better or else you're just cheating yourself out of a higher quality of life. So for me, I know from my own life, I have so many tips and tools that I love sharing with other people. And so, you know, I really realized I, I want to be a fountain of knowledge and good energy and helping other people. And so I really took it upon myself to just pour all of my thoughts and tips and tools into this workbook. Um, and it really, it comes from the heart, you know, it's real things that I've learned in my own life, but I've made this workbook specifically for the virtual school, or if you're a student and you're transitioning back to normal school, you know, I've made it kind of to fit both places because, you know, this past year, it's been traumatic for everyone. And I think one, one aspect um, that, you know, the government or whatever you want to call it, they haven't really prepared people for just the mental health side effects and how it really is triggering. And it has caused countless cases of PTSD, suicide, anxiety. And I feel that the amount of anticipatory anxiety that is going to stem from this is going to be outrageous. Uh, and I really think that, you know, we all need to come together and help, you know, young adults and teenagers but I really, um, I'm proud of this book because it's authentic, it's genuine, but I made it really, really fun. So, you know, it's, it's informative and it's educational, mm -hmm. yet it's very down to earth. And I made it look like a, um, like a teenager's diary. Like it has doodles. Mm -hmm. It's very fun. You can write in it yourself and it's gender neutral. So both uh, boys and girls can love use to, it. You love to hear it. You love to hear it. Yeah. So it's really fun and it's gender neutral. And I, I think it's just important because, you know, as time moves on and COVID is more relaxed and things open up, uh, I really think that, you know, teenagers and young adults can use this book for other periods of their life where they may feel a little bit more anxious than normal. And I think the overall goal with the workbook was really to just let young adults know that it is okay to have anxiety. It is okay to feel anxious. It does not mean that you're weak. It does not mean that, you know, you should be punished. It's not embarrassing. It is a very common theme and it's, it's just, it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to sometimes feel like you're not doing enough or that you're a failure or that you're never going to be like everyone has those thoughts. It's just the awareness and, you know, really coming up with a solution of, okay, I acknowledge these thoughts, but are they really true? You know, if I were to ask my best friends or my parents or my roommates, if they felt this way about me, you know, is it, is there any truth to these thoughts? And most likely the answer is no. Um, but that's, you know, one thing I really wanted to raise awareness for is the fact that anxiety is a liar. And sometimes when you have those negative thoughts for too long, you start to believe them and then they become a part of your story. You know, you start saying, oh yeah, you know, no, I'm always the girl who's single, who, you know, who's struggling, who, who's never going to make, but it's like, those are such negative stories to have. You want to fill yourself up with positive thoughts and reprogram your mind and really tell yourself, you know, 
no, like anything is possible. And I, I'm a wonderful person. You know, I am worthy of love. I, all my dreams are coming true and life is amazing and it gets better every single day. And I feel like the more that you tell yourself that it gets better, it just keeps on getting better and better and better. Like I, I believe in manifestation and all these things. So I really feel like, you know, it kind of does get better and better in a weird way. It, it really, really does, you know, your thoughts and your energy and just, I don't know. I, I think it's a mixture of things, but being grateful and being kind to other people, but also just being positive, like, you know, just like loving life and being like, you know what, this is where I meant to be right now. And if I were, if I were meant to be somewhere else, I would. So I can't really compare myself to anyone else. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like, I like to, I like to put this on other people, positive energy, but also to myself, because I will say 100%, I have my days where I feel like giving up and I'm like, no, you know, it's not worth it. But then I'm like, wait, <laughs> let me backtrack a little bit. You know, my 17 year old self, the things that I have right now, I used to like pray for, like, I would dream about the things that I have right now. So I'm like, you know what? I, I can't do that to myself because the, like the stuff that I have right now, my own apartment in Nashville, you know, being financially 100% independent, having good credit score, you know, like certain <laughs> things, like, like having this book out and, you know, doing a TV appearance and all these things. Like I used to like, I would do anything for what I have now. So I like to humble myself and I'm like, you know what? life is good. What is there to come? There's the, the thing is, is that there is nothing to complain about. Everything is amazing. Everything is going right. Um, so I, I check myself a lot. I'm like, girl, no, you do not like, just, it's like, I don't know. That's a part of it is the way I was raised. And some people may or may not agree with it, but it works for me. You know, it's like, wait, I can't complain or compare myself because how much action am I taking? If I'm taking no action, then I can't complain until my mom always used to say, you know, she's like, Megan, until you are 95 years old and you can say wholeheartedly that you tried for, you know, uh, <laughs> 70 years you tried and you never, ever gave up. Then you can complain when you're 95. And I was like, okay. So I made a deal with her, <laughs> but it's true. You know, we get so disheartened when we hear one no or one no response, but you have to realize like, you got to dust yourself off and keep on going because I think it's only the people who truly never give up and just literally never take no for an answer. You have to keep going and you have to show your best self to these, you know, the new people and the new opportunities, because they're the ones that matter. The people in the past do not matter. The people who said no to you do not matter. The people who say yes to you, who are helping you get to where you want to be, focus on those people. Because, it, you know, if you're spending your time focusing on like, oh, but that one rejection, then you're going to feel lousy. You want to focus on what is working out and who is opening a door for you and saying, oh, Megan, you want to get connected with this person? Let me help you out. Because that, that is truly like all that matters in life is really redirecting your energy and your attention towards the people, the situations, the job opportunities 
that are working out and that are helping you get to where you want to be, or else you're going to be in a lousy mood and you're going to be like, Oh, I don't know. You just want to continuously focus on good things are happening. Let's stay in the present moment. You know, everything is fine. Uh, and I don't know, whatever you choose to believe in God or a universe, it's like, yeah, but you know, it's like, I could sit here and, you know, start going down the path of like, or I could realize God universe has a plan for me. And I really choose to believe in that. And in my own career, you know, things take time, but as long as I'm doing my best every day and I'm waking up at 5 a.m. and really like holding myself accountable and networking, sending emails, going in person, then, you know, that's all I can do. Like at the end of the day, it's like if I'm making myself proud and letting go what is out of my control and people who don't respond or people who are unhelpful, you know, you just got to really focus on, okay, so I have dreams what can I do? Like whatever it is, it is all figure outable. I think we just get in our own heads too much. And we're like, no, but I'm, I'm 30. I have kids. I just, you know, my body, my, this it's like, or you could just start, you know, like some people are like, no, once I lose 10 pounds, once it's Friday. And I'm like, are you sure about that? Because that mindset pretty soon, you're going to be 95 years old and you'll be like, oh, I should have just started. And, you know, not compared my journey to anyone else's, because I think at the end of the day, it's just the people who start and the people who just hustle, 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 who really uh, just, you know, are successful. And I think, um, yeah, you know, I could go on about it for hours, but I really, I think it's just the people who just never take no for an answer and they have pride and they're proud of themselves. And, you know, I remember those days when I would walk around for hours and then I would get in my car and just cry to my mom on the phone. And I'm like, nothing is working. Yeah. You know, I had those days and I was, my mom just said, you know, Megan, leave the people, leave whatever it is that is making you feel further away from your truth and your dreams. She just would say that, you know, anyone, anyone, any person, any place that is making you feel like Tony Robbins is not possible, leave them in your dust. Do not give them one more second of your day. She said, you know, Megan, you know what you want. And (laughs) I want to like cry saying it, but you know, she's like, you know what you want in life. Don't you ever give up? Like, she's like, you can never give up on your dreams. And I'm like, like, you know, it's just true. It's like, you can never give up and you can't compare your journey to someone else's and you can't I don't know. That's just this vow I made to myself and my younger self, the girl who used to struggle in class. And I would pinch my hands under my desk and feel like I was dying every day. And I had 20 panic attacks and I had D's and F's and I went to summer school every summer and I really struggled. You know, I made a vow to that younger girl. And I was like, I can't ever give up. I will never give up. I, you know, I really don't care how long it takes. And you know, the stuff that comes up in the trials, the tribulations, the things that are not related to my success and my drive. Um, but you know, it's like, I will never give up ever. And until I get to 95 years old and I'm, you know, in a retirement home and I'm like still doing the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 95 uh, year old speaking on stage. Hey, I told I, you guys this in I will be 91. I will be 95 and just, you know, like in my gray hair, my white hair, I will be 95 and I will be 
just going crazy on stage with like, I want rockets and like flames and fire and like ACDC thunderstruck blasting out. Like I will not stop. <laughs> and I, <laughs> you know, I will be that person. I'm just like thunderstruck, like, yes. And I think it's just that attitude that really propels me forward because I, once again, I think energy is everything. And to me, it's all about feeling good and setting myself up for this success. And just, you know, really like, I really will notice, honestly, Lamar, the moment I flip my mindset and switch it to something positive, I notice immediately things just flow a lot easier. And I no longer feel like, you know, frustrated and like, eh. it's kind of like, you know, like I raise my vibration and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel happy. I feel, um, you know, wow, like it's just, and then all of a sudden like things happen and work out. And so I think a really big part of following your dreams, whatever it is, is just filling yourself up with positivity and being around people who are really, really positive as well. No, I definitely feel that. I mean, when you said <laughs> I used to pray for times like this, I ain't gonna lie. I couldn't help but think of Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. And uh, I also love do, Meek Mill. Yeah, that's my favorite rapper. And then also, I do agree with the sense that when you have negative self-talk, it also becomes in a way ne a negative self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if it you does, just say, like, yes, yes, you say yes. I'm not smart, I'm not smart, I'm not smart, then all you're going to end up doing is not smart things. 100%. Like, and it's, yeah. It's, and it's, oh. it's crazy like that. But I have one last question before we get into this game and get you out of here. Yeah. I saw this on your social media and I was curious because I, it kind of jogged my memory because I remember seeing this on a funnel on social media. Yes. How did, you know, getting to speak to Gary Vee on his like all in challenge, how did that impact like what you're doing in the mental health space and like how you're going about with your business? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I would say, oh my gosh, that moment, by the way, I was so nervous. I was like, <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> like, I could tell. I had, oh my gosh, I had my notes planned out and everything. Like I, you know, I, I am a very grateful person and I do not take one thing that I have for granted. And I uh, had that interview, like I had all my questions planned out for like days ahead and I had it taped to like behind my computer. I had my ring light and I was like, <laughs> but I did it. And um, it was really, really cool. And so you know, I, I feel so grateful because it's like, you know, when, when like else in my life, am I going to have these moments with such an iconic person in the motivational speaking, like just entrepreneur world. So I really took advantage of it. And I was like, you know, I, I just asked some really good questions about, um, making a consistent income coaching teenagers and, just ways to get creative. And he gave me really good tips about, um, which I, I fully followed all of them, you know, creating a weekly zoom support group for teenagers. And I will say since COVID started, that has grown to over 250 teenagers every single Sunday. I hop on a zoom call Impressive. for an hour. Yeah. And I lead a circle with teenagers um, and we talk, it's kind of, you know, like you get the talking stick, you get the talking stick yeah. and we talk about our feelings and it's just really cool because it's like this gift I get to give to all these incredible, just bright eyed, like people. And I like to fill them up with like 
anything is possible. Like, yes, you can do whatever it is you want to do. And they have this safe space to talk about their feelings and any anxieties they're feeling without judgment. Um, and I think that's important because when you are a teenager, you know, sometimes you don't want to go talk to your parents or sometimes yeah. you're like, you're like, I don't have a problem or am I the only one feeling anxious or not good enough? And, you know, it's important to really fill yourself up with just good people and good energy. So every Sunday for an hour, we do that. And Gary suggested that he's like, you know, Megan, what you are doing specifically is so you know, it's so niched, like it's so just spot on. So he gave me very specific tips, um, you know, for making a really good income and I totally followed it. And I will say it 100% worked like Gary, you know, he's really smart and he really knows what he's talking about. And I blacked out. Like, I don't remember that conversation. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> it's like, so nervous, but, um, yeah, you know, it was really cool. And I, I feel so lucky that I got that moment with him, but he, he gave me such good tips about, you know, making a support group for teenagers, for parents, making a newsletter that I can pass out every week over email. Um, and really just being this like well of information for teenagers and young adults and just continuously pumping out content. Um, and, you know, having that like Megan touch to it where it's yeah. educational, yet it's like fun and interactive and it's really engaging. Oh, wow. That's just, <laughs> that's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really that surprised because I've been following him for a while. And like he inspired me to write my first book. And Ooh. I will say that his gift is definitely empathy. So I'm not even surprised. But that's enough about Gary Vee and everything else. I want to get quickly into the game and then we're going to end this. So my game is welcome to the dinner table. So if you could pick anybody top five dead or alive, whether they're a speaker or author, yeah. who would you have dinner with? <sighs> Number one, Tony Robbins. <laughs> Number two, Jim Carrey, even though he's not an author, motivational speaker, I love him and I, his story is very inspiring. Mm. Uh, number three, Oprah Winfrey. Okay. Number four, um, Ashley Graham. I love her. Ooh, and then number okay. five, I would pick, um, uh, da, 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 um, I would pick Lauren Conrad. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I love entrepreneur, you know, like I love the women who do it all. They're authors, mm -hmm. they're reality stars. They're like, that's where I see myself and my brand. And so I would surround myself with as much as of that as possible. That's a good five. I'm surprised you ain't pick Gary or Ed Milet, but hey, that's a I good would. five. I, if that's I had more five. fingers, Lamar, I would, I promise. <laughs> that's a good five. I don't blame you. All right. Well, that is all we have for today's episode of the Jack of All Trades podcast. Make sure you check it out, Anchor, Spotify, any of the other listening platforms you listen to for podcasts. Make sure you also go check out my book, Jack of All Trades. Yeah, I don't have it with me. Do I have it with me? No, I don't have it with me right now. But Jack of All Trades, Rise of a Party Promoter. I'm also coming out with book two of my series. If all things go well this December, so be on the lookout for some content about that.
and also get Megan's new book that's available out now in stores. And I'm also going to put her information in the bio as well of this episode, LA Out. Bye, everyone. This is awesome.